stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. We will not only plant our flag and leave our footprint, we will establish a foundation for an eventual mission to Mars and perhaps someday to many worlds beyond. As U.S. President Donald Trump today uh, signing a new space policy that directs NASA uh, to lead an innovative space exploration program that would involve sending American astronauts back to the moon. And as you heard there, eventually to Mars and beyond. I think we take for granted uh, the idea of putting astronauts on the moon. I wasn't alive in uh, 1969. I think for those of us who weren't, it's hard to appreciate fully what a big deal that was at the time. What an amazing success story that was. Uh, Certainly our interests have have expanded well beyond the moon. But is there a valid reason to return there? Uh, What can we learn? What can we achieve by putting humans back on the moon? Should it be a priority? Joining us uh, for some further thoughts, very pleased to welcome the program, uh, Dr. Gordon Osinski, who is Associate Professor, Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada, uh, also Industrial Research Chair in Planetary Geology at Western University. Dr. Osinski, welcome to the program. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Well, is this uh, the right decision, do you think? Uh, I, I, I absolutely think so. Um, and it's, um, I mean, today they obviously picked today for very good reasons because it's uh, 45 years, I think it was almost to the minute, that President Trump signed this new space policy that um, Harrison Smith and Eugene Sermon uh, last stepped foot on the moon, or oh, the first day of their mission. So, I mean, it's been 45 years, and uh, over the last number of years, there's been a, a growing momentum, I think, to returning humans to the surface of the moon, uh, not just by NASA, but by many space agencies around the world, including Canada. Well, and even some private space companies, too. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're in exciting new terms, and that's a whole other new um, yeah, aspect of the story is the role that uh, private space companies will play in this. Um, so I think in President Trump's announcement, it talks about a partnership with industry, um, which we didn't really have 45 years ago. And uh, in parallel, at least with robots anyway, if not humans, um, Potentially, in the next couple of years, we'll have private companies sending robotic spacecraft to the surface of the moon for the first time, which will be, uh, I mean, simply amazing. So why the moon, though? Great question. I mean, yeah, it it often gets the, well, yeah, we've been there, seen it, done it kind of uh, uh, response. Excuse me. So, I mean, I think there are a number of reasons. Um, you touched on, a, I mean, one at the beginning is that, I mean, we we haven't had humans go beyond low Earth orbit in 45 years. And so uh, the technologies that we need to do that really don't currently exist or are just being designed. Uh, the expertise, um, you know, just, just doing mission operations that far away from home, um, we've we've kind of forgotten how to do that, and so using the moon as a, a gateway or a stepping stone before going onto Mars, which is a huge challenge, I think is probably the right thing to do from a, a risk perspective. So, so um, the, yeah, that, so that all ties together then, certainly. Yeah, and then there are there's a lot of really amazing science still to be done on the moon. Um, I mean, so as a scientist and a geologist, um, there are there's lots to 
further understand about the moon. Um, and to do that, we really need to bring back uh, more samples and collect more data from the lunar surface, not just from orbit that we've been doing for the past couple of decades. Yeah, and yeah. that science is not just about the moon itself. There's big questions about the origin of our own solar system and even of life on Earth that the moon may provide answers for. Well, that, yeah, that's an interesting point because we, we, we tend not to think of it that way. Yeah, yeah, we often, I mean, the moon, of course, is interesting. I mean, in the solar system is that you can look up on a clear night and, and see that, that orb up there in the night sky, unlike Mars, which is, you know, it looks and appears like a slightly reddish star. Um, but the, the moon has a lot to offer. It's, uh, it's often been called the witness plate of solar system evolution. Um, and I mean, one of the the major areas that I'm interested in, and I think probably lots of people, is, uh, I mean, when and how did life originate on Earth? And one of the well, fortunate or unfortunate, whether you're a geologist and looking at the early Earth, is that the Earth has lost the first really half a billion years of our history because our planet is very active, which keeps it hospitable. Um, but that record should hopefully be preserved on the moon and is waiting to answer again some big questions about that first half a billion years of solar system history, which is when on Earth we think life originated. Interesting. And regarding the, the challenges of getting back to the moon then, I think maybe there's an assumption that since we've done it already, we could do it tomorrow if we really wanted to, but that's probably not realistic. So what would be involved then in, in planning a new mission to the moon? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are some things that, um, I mean, the technology to get us to the moon, I think, is well under development. I mean, you've heard Elon Musk in the last year or so saying, I mean, the rockets that he's using to uh, go up to the International Space Station without too much changes will uh, be able to get us uh, to the moon. Um, landing is a, is a challenge, especially with big objects, and that, again, is something that we haven't done with humans for a long time. So, I mean, there's always going to be testing needed to be done. But I think it's really about, again, looking forward to Mars, which I think most people in the community on uh, would agree, you know, is is the next big destination, right. uh, and a long-term destination. But that's, that's kind of a, depending on who you talk to and what technology is around at the time, that means astronauts living and surviving in space for several months to two to three years. We have we don't know how to do that. There are challenges with radiation and lots of other effects that um, on the International Space Station, it's close enough to Earth that the astronauts are protected by the Earth's magnetic field to a certain extent. And so, you know, when we leave the protection of our Earth, even going to the moon, there's some new challenges that we ideally want to learn when it's only three days away is about a trip to the moon as opposed to kind of a yeah again a, a several month to a couple of year long trip to uh, mars yeah well and the, the idea has come up many times as well i think most recently from the european space agency about having some sort of a, a permanent fixture on the moon almost akin to maybe the international space station but something that would actually be uh, on the moon i mean is that uh, is that necessary and is that feasible uh, maybe, yeah, two different questions. Feasible, yes. absolutely. Uh, necessary. Um, again, I mean, there's, if we're thinking really long term, um, you know, we, we don't want a supply chain which goes from the surface of Earth to Mars with nothing in between. Um, 
you can there are there are lots of good um, reasons for for building up our infrastructure on the moon to be able to again do uh, lots of geology on the surface of the moon to learn about lunar science and earth science but having uh, an outpost um, you're right the European Space Agency talks about a, a, a moon village they've yeah. been calling it um, there are there's a lot of good rationale again for just you know that will be a permanent outpost that will be there for the next you know few centuries as we start to expand out beyond the earth then eventually it will be short trips to Mars and then eventually potentially, um, you know, permanent presence on Mars, just like we've been doing, you know, over the last, what, it's been a, well over a decade now that we've had humans up in space around the Earth on the International Space Station 365 days a year, probably right. 40 years ago. That would have been seemed like a bit of a stretch, but so the moon is a, a next good step towards that and then eventually Mars and then eventually beyond. And from a Canadian perspective, and you can speak to this, I mean, you're part of the Space Advisory Board, uh, the, you know, the Canada Space Agency, we've certainly made it a priority that, look, we're, we're going to be at the table. We're not going to be mere spectators here. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's all coming at an interesting time in Canada. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, yeah, I've been honored to be on the Space Advisory Board, and we had we held consultations across the country in the spring, which led to a kind of a um, a bit of a policy document, and in the next few months, the government of Canada um, is developing a space strategy, which will really lay out yeah, Canada's role in the robotic and human um, kind of exploration of the solar system, as well as Earth observation science, um, etc. Um, but there's, there's, if you've been to the, it's been kept fairly quiet. Um, but if you go to the Canadian Space Agency website and uh, and look at what's been happening in Canada. We've started a lot of discussions over the past year about what Canada's role will be. Um, the Space Agency has issued a number of what they call requests for information, which is basically asking the community for ideas. I mean, what should and could Canada contribute to this international uh, lunar exploration effort? Um, of course, I think everybody knows the Canada arm. That was a major contribution that we provided first to the shuttles and then to the International Space Station. And Canada is now trying to yep, figure out, along with the rest of our international partners, how we will contribute to uh, to the moon and then uh, eventually onto Mars as well. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Dr. Osinski, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. You're very welcome. All right, take care. Uh, that is Dr. Gordon Osinski of Western University's National Science and Engineering Research Council, chair part of this uh, Space Advisory Committee. Uh, so Canada is going to be involved, but there there is a lot of interest. It'd be interesting to see how much cooperation there is. But you get the U.S., China, Russia, Europe, Japan, India, even uh, eyeing the moon and, and beyond. Not to mention Elon Musk and other private companies who want to be a part of the action too. I mean, Mars is the big prize. That's going to excite somebody. A human setting foot on Mars—that's the kind of thing that people gather around their their TVs and radios and computers and everything else like you saw in 1969, which just, you know, captures everybody's attention. Humans landing on the moon, that doesn't excite us all that much anymore, but there, there are all kinds of reasons why we should do it. Uh, and Dr. Rosinski laid those out for us. 974-8255, curious what you make of this idea of uh, going to the moon, going to Mars and beyond. Got a few other things to get to here as well. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.